This is Gabby V, and welcome to the Clever Hybrids Podcast. Every season, we interview 12 bilingual professionals from around the world to hear their tips and to help you thrive in this multidimensional world. Let's jump right into the episode. Hey, Gretchen, it's so nice to see you again, now from your home office in Florida, all the way on the other side of the U.S. How are you feeling? Thank you, Gabby. I'm feeling great. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation today. Yeah, I was really excited because I've known you now for, I think it's about almost a year and a half. And you were also interviewed on Tysis Latinx and Power podcast. I'm like, we need to continue some of these details. I need more details from this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love Thai. And we've been collaborating in a couple of uh, podcasts and uh, meetings and conferences. And yes, I'm glad we are connecting the dots. At the end of the day, it's great to have this community you know, where we help and support each other and we can grow together. Now, I'm glad we're reconnecting with that excuse these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, technology is making it possible for all of us to get together no matter where we are now. Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. So how are you feeling now with the transition from California to Florida? Of course, the temperature is different, but how's the cultural temperature over there? <laughs> It is quite different to, I moved here in December when everything in the middle of the, the COVID situation was happening in California. And I asked my manager to work remotely because the office is closed. It's still closed in California. They were okay with that. And now I extended a little more until the beginning of next year and see what happens over there. But yeah, I feel great. I've been able to reconnect uh, with the Cuban roots and been able to get again in contact with a lot of friends and family. And it's quite different now, but I'm really enjoying those differences these days. It's putting me in the test of understanding like where I come from, but at the same time, what I've learned now. How is the Cuban population doing there in Florida with everything that's going on the island right now? There's a lot of drama at the moment. Yes, it's definitely, it's been very intense, but it's been also very beautiful. You wouldn't have never imagined this uh, some years ago. So the community here is very strong. There are a couple of leaders that I, I see here. I particularly have met them in the past in California, and I really love their approach and what they are trying to bring to the country now with this mindset of, it doesn't matter if you are from one side or the other, let's work together now, which is refreshing. In my case, I just want to see a change and go back sometime with my family, go back to the place where I was born. So we want to see that. But again, you have to understand there is a lot of resentment too from people that live here based on what they have lived in the country. So what I see is a community that is getting together more and more and just trying to, to eliminate those differences. Hopefully we can see that happening and changing, but let's see, let's see. There is a big legacy that it's difficult to change in a couple of days. No, I am hopeful and I, I wait, I'm waiting to see something new for my country. We all deserve that. Yeah, it's definitely going to yeah. be a, a process. It takes a while to change yeah. the system that's been there for so long. Exactly, exactly. And some people are used to that because... That's the only thing they know. Someone are afraid. This is the only thing I know. I probably have to keep this because it is what it is. But 
the reality is that when you leave the country, you realize that there are other options and other opportunities. So hopefully we can see that for the people that are still in Cuba. Yeah, definitely. And it must be a bit of an adjustment now, too. In Florida, Cubans are more of the majority amongst Hispanics, but in yeah. California, it's mostly Mexicans. Then before, you lived in Venezuela and also in Spain for a little bit. Yeah. Were there ever any situations? Of course, it's not the same culture, but where people tried to purposefully make you feel less than? Yes, that's a very interesting topic. When I moved to Venezuela, it was exactly 1999. We were leaving Cuba to go to a new place. So definitely I experienced a lot of discrimination in Venezuela, even though I was coming from a country that was speaking the language, etc. It's uh, tricky because I understand that back in the days, there was a lot of collaboration with the Cuban government. So maybe Venezuelans were thinking that all Cubans were with the government. <laughs> so that's why I was probably caught with the same line, thinking, okay, she comes from Cuba. She's also with the government. We hate Cubans that come with the government. No. So it was quite difficult for me. It created a lot of trauma for me because I had to change the way of talking and everything just to try to go underground and not be perceived as a Cuban and create the drama, you know. When I moved to Spain, I experienced a little bit, but it was not because I was Cuban. It was because I was probably Latina. And then, okay, you speak differently. We don't talk about this here. We don't say this word here, this type of things again. Or I remember I was in a party one day and one of my colleagues, he was saying, oh, if you are so smart, why don't you go to your country? He was, of course, a little drunk and everything, but... It's a way where you realize, okay, there is fear here and there are other sentiments against people like me, but it's okay. You just have to disattach yourself from that. But then when I came to U.S., it was a way to reconnect with that identity. I think I was in Venezuela losing my Cuban accent, in Spain losing my Hispanic, my Latina uh, way of thinking and, and acting. But then here gave me the opportunity to reconnect with all of that again. That feeling of uh, being proud of being Cuban and Latina and having the flow that we have in the Caribbean, I was like, this is what we need, no? So I had the opportunity to travel to Cuba for business when I was on eBay. So it was in 2016. So it was a closing the cycle moment that I was needing, no? I traveled with my American colleagues and they were super, they got very emotional again with the the trip and all of that. So I say, okay, this is actually nice. I should reconnect with all of that. So that was great. And definitely in California, I felt fully embedded in the culture, in the way of living, working, etc. because it's very diverse. It is true that if you think about the Hispanic population, Mexicans are the majority in California. Coming back here, it's like feeling at home, no? It's like being in Cuba, but with uh, all the the access to things where you kind of speak in Spanish in all the places that you listen salsa, it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> it's almost like the other extreme, but it's nice because I feel maybe stronger, no? Like I, I've been experimenting or experiencing all of these and now I feel like, okay, this is one more layer in my life, no? So it's been nice just connecting the dots. That's what always happens, right? Yeah, yeah that's amazing. It's 
bit of a process because I don't have anything that extreme. But since I'm African-American and grew up in between like Latino culture, white culture and black culture, I don't really feel like I belong sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so you're like, that's okay. I'm, I just put all of these together like a oatmeal raisin cookie. <laughs> yes, I realized that, Gabby, when I moved to California, where I say, you know what, I don't have to pick this or this. I can say this and this. Yes, I am this and I'm this too. I decided to see it with those lenses. Yes, I can add more. And guess what? That's cool. If I get different layers, if I understand different cultures and ways of living, let me just not embrace it, but just brag about it. <laughs> let me switch the thing and let me brag about it. Guess what? I've been living in different places. I know different things and I'm here now, but tomorrow I might be in another place. This is one more experience that I take with me. So when I realized that, that changed my life because before I was hiding. I don't want people to realize with my accent that I'm from here. And when this now, I'm like, I don't care. I want people to ask me where I'm from and I can tell you a beautiful story for sure. It's an amazing question. And Taisa has been talking about this too. But you've already been speaking with me now for 12 minutes. And your English is very good. But you only learned it in 2013 as an adult. So how did you get to this point? <laughs> you know the story, but just sharing with the rest of the community. I came to the U.S. when I was 30 years old. Because my dream was always to speak the language. One day I just said, you know what? I have to stop like crying in the corner and I don't speak. I just have to face it and be there in the middle of the, the world, like understanding and living the language. So that's why we moved to the U.S., to San Francisco. And it was very hard at the beginning. I remember when we were into watch movies at the beginning, I was crying. I don't understand anything like. I will never get it. At the same time, you have some people in your life that probably encourage you to do good things, but others are more like, no, you will never do this. Come to Florida. You are comfortable here. <laughs> you don't have to speak the language. I'm like, no, I came here. I left all my comfort and, and, and good thing that I had in Spain, in Madrid, to come here to achieve this. I have to do it. So for me, yes, I took classes, full-time classes. In school, I was listening a lot of podcasts and TED, TED.com was my best ally. And I realized that I, I should be doing this at the end of the day, like at night, just go to bed, listening something in English. So I did that fully embedded in the American culture. Again, living here, if you don't have the opportunity, of course, having classes in your country is great, but the only big change happened when you are fully embedded here, like on your own, just fighting with the reality, asking for food, just having those shaming moments where you ask for something and people don't, don't understand you. So I think that's the only way and that's what I did. And then lastly, I think when I was able to start working, that gave me the last layer in terms of the corporate mindset and all of that. But I'm just realizing now that I remember when I was working on Mondays, I always had a lot of calls on Monday and then I was not understanding anything. I'm like, why is that? Of course, it was because I was speaking in Spanish the whole weekend. Uh, I realized maybe Sunday, let's start speaking in English at home so I can go fully warm top for, for the week. But yeah, those were the main thing, just 
fall embedded in the reality and, and just cry if you have to cry and keep moving, you will get it. It's about insisting and, and be surrounded by people that support your idea. Just also think about how many doors will be open when you speak more than one language. That was for me, like, I need to do this. I, I don't want to be in the comfortable corner just waiting for that idea. I just have to make it happen. So that's the only way. And it's possible. If I did it with 30, everybody can do it. It's just keep going. That's awesome. You've completely tailored it for you. But how many years did it take from arriving to being able to work in English? For me, I took the first year to go to classes and, and everything. After a year, I said, okay, I'm ready. I can start to look for a job. I will get it super quickly. That's what everybody says. I come on, I can do this. Of course, it took me like six months to get a job in the U.S. And it was not the job that I wanted in tech. It was not extremely straightforward for me, but I'm like, okay, I keep focused on that. So I started to work in another company, small company for six months, but then I continued with my dream. This is what I want. This is what I want. And after six months there, I was able to get the offer at eBay. It took me a year and a half because I wanted to take the time for me to feel more comfortable with the language, but you can definitely fast track it. And again, you will not be perfect. Your first days will be like, people don't understand me, et cetera. But at some point, it will work organically and you will start speaking in English and having the full uh, conversation. And again, it will not be perfect when people try to correct you in a very polite way. Oh, you mean this? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm like, I didn't say the right word. In those cases, don't dwell on that. Just say, okay, this is bad, but then let me keep going. And I try to find a couple of people close to me, Native Americans, hey, guys. If you see something that I'm saying something, please tell me and I, I need that. So that helped me a lot for those terms in the work environment. And then you're still progressing. You're not leaving it to just be by osmosis now. So last year we worked together a little bit. Yeah. What was it that you felt you had to focus on a little bit more when we were working together? Yeah, so for me, I feel like at that time it was, okay, I, I have this foundation, maybe 70 or 80%, but I need that final 20% when I am able to expand the language, get different choices of words, uh, excite or more sophisticated or more elaborated, particularly for the working environment. I was needing those tools to go into more like awkward conversations, like negotiations or just proposals, specific meetings that I wanted to deliver a stronger message. So that's why I was reaching out to you. I think one of the beautiful things that I have realized here in the U.S., according to the language, is people can say the same thing in different ways, and sometimes so sophisticated that I'm like, okay, so you mean this, right? But I'm like, okay, I understand why you're speaking other words, the storytelling, I think that's quite critical now. So for me, that's what I was needing. Just keep improving on that 20 or 30% to deliver a stronger message, but at the same time, more beautiful one with the different choices of words. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. important, especially in business culture, because most Americans are immigrants. Exactly. We have to be very specific in the words that we use. It's a very 
explicit language. Not that we curse a lot, (laughs) but it means that you have to be very specific of what you mean. Or even uh, some buzzwords have become a trending topic. Now you realize like someone start introducing words at the office and suddenly everybody's saying the same words. I don't know, keep momentum going or <laughs> suddenly you start like pushing the agenda. It's about that, understanding those things. And also Gabby, I think it's about understanding the rules of the game because sometimes I, uh, that's the most difficult part. Like I want to play, but I don't know the rules. Sometimes it's just learn the rules and then decide maybe I don't want to play, or maybe I just pick a couple of idioms or a couple of ideas and just stick to that. I will not go too creative because maybe people will not understand me. That's what I've been trying to apply. There is always one person close to you that can be an inspiration that it's also from outside of the U.S. that probably has gone through the same than you and you still see the way they talk, the choices that they pick and all of that. So it gives you confidence. Okay, I can go into this path. At the end of the day, it's being aware, just being aware, observing around and understanding what is happening in the game. And sometimes understanding that the silence can be stronger than saying something. That's okay. One thing that I have realized is that in the U.S. culture, seems like it's value a lot when you intervene and say things, even though they might be non-important or relevant, but it doesn't matter. You just say or repeat the same thing that the other person said, or maybe you bring a question that was answered before. In that case, I just realized I cannot play the game because I, I don't know how to do it, or I probably don't have that spontaneous way to answer, ask for things or bring questions that I don't feel at that moment. When you realize that, you just play your game and that's okay. At some moment, all of this will be understood and that's fine. You just need to understand where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are too. And that's totally fine. Yeah, I'm not good at, at that either. We'll be having a conversation <laughs> and then maybe five hours later, be like, I should have asked them that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to know your boundaries and how to deal with certain things. One of the things you mentioned in an interview with Taisa and Alma Lopez is yeah. Latino business culture versus American business culture. The way you give feedback or present results is different. Yeah. So how would you explain how that works for someone who might be new to that environment? Yes, it's completely different. I think in our culture, again, because our language is so rich, in my case, Spanish, we say a lot of things just to answer the same question and probably one, if we have to present something, we start like, I don't know, 60 slides and then you put the colors and then images and then you go all over. But at the end it's like, okay, what did you want to say? Or what was the final idea that people took when they left the, the, the office? So I learned here that things can be or should be a little different, where the focus should be on what do I want to say? I want people to leave the room with this idea. So once you define that, then you can build or craft the story around that. You can put a little bit of ornaments around and some color, etc. But at the end, you are completely clear on what you want to deliver. That's one of the things. And the second is, it's a lot about numbers and about perspective. I remember at the beginning when I was working at eBay, my manager was asking me, okay, how was this campaign or how was this initiative? I started to say, oh, it went really well, or 
this and that and start bringing ideas. So it doesn't matter what you think. Just come back to the, the solid facts and say, okay, it went well because there was an increase in XYZ or it went bad because there was a decrease in XYZ. You know, just bring numbers to your story. It's great to craft it with words, but you have to put some numbers. And the other thing that I learned is more with the, the structure, the intro, the body, and the closure. Sometimes for us, the closure takes years. So you keep in the closure bringing more facts and this and that, because again, you're trying to fill with details. And in fact, the other person is getting lost. So just go straight to the point. And then if the other person wants to open a little more the conversation, you can go with the colors, the details, but I think that's um, the most important. So I think those are the three main things. Just focus on the numbers and telling the story. Just go straight forward to the message and be sure that you can improvise, but don't improvise too much. Leave that for later. Yeah. And you did it right there with that answer. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With this last thing that is really hard for most cultures, really, we need to self-promote. How can you get that in your brain? I need to not brag, but I need to show what I did and why I deserve this. How can you get that mindset when you, your culture is telling you like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, tranquila, niña, no pidas tanto. I know I still, Gabby, I still struggle a lot with that. I've been improving a lot too. So when I came to, to the U.S., of course, zero idea about that. I work with an organization that is called Operly Global. They help immigrants to get to the first job. They, they do an amazing job. So I had a, a beautiful coach, Susana. She was very instrumental in my growth. Like Gretchen, you have to go and ask. You have to do this, et cetera. So I learned that foundation with her. I didn't get an amazing job in my first job at eBay or the first negotiation, but I was able to catch up later. Why? Because I said, if I don't talk, nobody will do it for me. So uh, every six months, I put an invite in my calendar to my manager. Hey, let's talk about development, growth, and all of that. Not only I, I try to gather the facts, but at the same time, I ask people that I work with to send notes to my manager. That helped me a lot. I, I learned that trait with a very strong woman, not even. So every time that I was working with someone, Gretchen, you are awesome. You did. I'm like, guys, I don't care. You sent that note to my mother. <laughs> I know I'm great. Don't make my ego grow more. Just send it to my mother. I want to hear that. Oh, yeah, sure. People love to help and they understand where you're coming from. And everybody understand that. One third thing that helped me, Gabby, a lot was... You know what? When I go and ask for things, I will not think in me. I will think of my family that depend on me. So I say, okay, my daughters need me or my husband, my parents. You know what? I'll think of these guys. I'll bring them in my mind to the conversation. I will empower. I'll go and ask for them. That helped me a lot. It's not for me. It's for others. Why you have to do it too? Because it's more painful if you don't do it. You stay in the corner. Oh, I'm still underpaid and all of that. Yes, you are. But guess what? If you don't talk, nobody will know it. The The struggle that I still have is 
understanding what is big for me, meaning maybe I'm just waiting to launch a big project or maybe I'm just waiting to, I don't know, launch a skyrocket to the moon to come back to the conversation. No, you don't have to wait for that. There are small things that you do that are powerful enough to bring the story or to bring the case. So we're with the benchmarks, what is happening close to you? What are the other, let's say, packages that you see around? People in the industry, what are they making? Maybe your colleagues can give you some idea of what they're making, although it might not be the right way or the most straightforward. But just collect all of that and go strong and don't wait for a special occasion to ask for it. Ask all the time, schedule six months, every six months and go and talk. You have the no by default, so what else can you lose? You just go and ask. That's <laughs> true. It's a 50-50 chance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what else can we do? But that's a wonderful point because most people think, oh, freelancers or com- companies, they need testimonials. But no, if you're an employee and you want to get to the next step, you need other people to be talking about exactly. you too. Exactly. But- it is. It is so critical. I was not aware of that, but it is. And it's not about bragging. Just forget that word. It's not bragging. It's, it's just being where you have to be. And yeah, you just do it. <laughs> yes. Especially now, humans have very short attention spans. They have to be like, hey, remember this happened and this happened just to keep yourself in the front of their brain. Now that you're mentioning that, Gabby, not only that tension, but I think the other stopper that we have in our culture is again the the scarcity mindset that we have. Oh, I asked for money, but they say there is no money. There is no budget. You know what? There is always money. There is always money in a company. Don't believe that. I get a little upset with that because the manager did that to me. I was asking for a course and then he said, Gretchen, the course that you are asking for, it's for a pool of money. And then if I give you this and the other people cannot travel, something like that. I said, well, you guess what? I don't care. I don't care if they haven't asked you for traveling or for other courses. That's not my problem. I'm asking you, I want this. So just give me other options. Maybe you say, Gretchen, maybe it's too much. Let's do something else. But don't try to shut me down when I'm trying to grow. So I think, again, our mindset coming from scarcity is I will not ask because they say there is no money. That's not true. That's not true. You go and ask. I've seen people get promoted in the middle of whatever month, random month, like suddenly you get an email off. This person, Fulano, was promoted to director. You say, why? Isn't it that the cycles are, I don't know, June and December? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are a strong candidate, if people like you in the company, you do a great job. They will do everything. I remember when I left eBay, my manager told me, Gretchen, why are you leaving? Is it because of the promotion? I promote you right now. I'll do it. I'm like, no, you know what? No. But by the way, you should have done this before, but whatever. <laughs> I'm leaving because yes, I just want to go to a new industry, etc. I love you. I have an amazing relationship with my manager. He was very instrumental in my growth. I know it's fine. But moments like these things happen. Plus you can be the person that break the rules too. It's fine. The rules can be broken for you too. It doesn't have to be for that other person all the time. So I think the moment you realize that, boom, you feel empowered, you go and do your things and the rest will happen. I think that's very important because we come with a huge bag that has a lot of uh, scarcity or a lot of, uh, you don't do that. You don't do this uh, from your mom, your uncle, or your grandma. <laughs> Grandmas are usually the ones 
say, no, no, Mita, don't do this, don't do that. Guess what, grandma, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight for this. But now it's time to get exposed and it's time to fight for what you want. It's the only way. Yeah, even in some shows about Latino culture that they've had uh, in the past few years of sitcoms, whenever the the main lead comes to be like, oh, I lost my job or I quit, then the abuela's like, I know! Because <laughs> <laughs> they start yeah. going into like village famine mode and it's, it's not at that level yet, abuela, calm down. It's always abuela because of course abuela is coming still from uh, even more scarcity moment so I think it's about again and it's not about fighting with our culture it's about being compassionate too with what people have gone through in our culture the words the things uh, everything but we're lucky enough to break those cycles now let's embrace it let's have it there celebrate it and move on let's move on from that let's move on from not talking what we want. Let's move on from being afraid of being a stereotype. Yes, I'm Latina. I have accent. And so what? I will never change my accent. That's the only thing we can do. But if you keep dwelling on that or trying to change, that's that's where things can get very bad because you will not be happy with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very important point to remember. The gringos have some things right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. And Gretchen, I'm sure people will enjoy this interview very oh, much. But right. if they want to talk to you some more, where can they find you online? Yeah, so I'm definitely very active on LinkedIn. I'm now on uh, Super Millennia active on Instagram. Okay, we're really fast this hour or so. So I, I really enjoy Gabby. I'm always enjoying talking to you. Yeah, we had a good time catching up. I hope we can do it again sooner than last time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly that's great yes so let's stay in touch and if i can help someone please do reach out i do this all the time not only for people that want to enter into the corporate world working as product managers which is a very demanded position here in the u.s but also from the cultural standpoint, people that are joining to the U.S. still collaborate with Operly Global, which is the company, the nonprofit that helped me when I came to the U.S. So anything, anything that I can do, I'm more than happy to do it. And I, I really mean it. Yeah, that sounds like an excellent resource. Is their website just upwardlyglobal.com or what is yes. it? Yes, it is. And uh, they do an amazing job. They help you with your resume with your famous cover letter that nobody understands until you come to the U.S. All of that. They help you tailor your resume with the numbers that you need to put, the type of resume. It's a whole uh, industry around crafting resumes, so they help you for free. I mean, it's amazing. They put you in contact with employers. I went to different campuses on Google, Oracle, different ones for interviews and all of that thanks to them. So uh, they have a footprint in different states in the U.S., but yeah, you can definitely include that as a great resource. Yeah, I'm definitely putting that in the show notes, people. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely. But thank you so much, Gretchen. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and get back to work. Okay. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> Still want more? First, subscribe or follow the Clever Hybrids podcast wherever you're listening to this and you can binge listen to our 30 plus episodes. But Clever Hybrids isn't just a podcast. 
We're a language service and content creation business. If you want help to be bilingual or to create a podcast or content for your business, check out our website, cleverhybrids.com. And as always, welcome to the Clever Hybrids tribe. This is Gabby V signing off. See you next time.